Jesus, right, the 70 come back and they're like, hey, the demons, like, they believe. Like, they're, they're, not the demons, they believe. That's James. Woo! You've got to watch your minister and pay attention to what he says. The demons are subject, right? They were actually able to cast these demons. They did. Could you imagine the disciples? Like, they're going out and they have this, this, these things going on and people are possessed by demons and they come back and they're all rejoicing. And, and Jesus says, well, rejoice, that your name is, celebrate, that your name is what? In the Lamb's Book of Life. And then Jesus breaks into this praise to God, like Jesus himself celebrated. It's awesome, right? It's fantastic. Today we're going to see some moments of celebration. And then there's also some moments of reflection for us as well. But leading up to the passage, you know, we talked about how Zechariah is offering incense. As he's offering incense, an angel shows up. The angel says that you are going, your wife is going to have a, a child, a son, and as she's going to have a son, like that was, it was a miracle that she could because she hadn't been able to have a son. They're well advanced in years. She's never been able to have one before. And basically says there's going to be a miracle. And not only is it going to be a miracle that your wife is going to have a son, he is going to be the forerunner for Messiah. Remember we talked about how incredible this is, that all these years of oppression, all these years of being under, under, nations, uh, under other nations, God is going to set this people free. Israel is going to be the light unto the nations that God said that Israel would be. And before Messiah comes, there's going to be a forerunner. I can't imagine. Could you imagine that news though? Like really, could you imagine being the father or the mother of the one who was going to be the forerunner for Messiah? Incredible, right? She's about six months pregnant. And then maybe even more incredibly, a young woman, 14, 15 years old, calls herself a lowly servant. So she's not of like great, you know, class or probably wealth or anything like that. She's servant of the Lord is what she calls herself, a lowly servant. An angel comes to her and says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to give birth to, to the Messiah. Like you're going to, this is, this is huge. If, if you've ever seen the Matrix, this is like, you're going to give birth to Neo. Like, you know, the one. <laughs> I, I was thinking about the Matrix because the new one's coming out. But I mean, if you see it, you understand what I'm saying. Like, this is the one. This is the one that's coming to fix everything. This is the one to set everybody free. Remember, everybody in that movie is captive and they don't know that they're, like, this is the one that's going to fix everything. Can you imagine being Mary? I thought about this. Guys, if you could get pregnant, imagine that you're Mary right now, okay? A little harder for us. But like, if you you are a young woman and you are in some of the most exciting time of your life. She was betrothed. Remember when, if you've been married, you were, you know, engaged and like life is just changing rapidly and pretty exciting, right? You know that you're going to have, yo, you've got your husband or your wife and you're going to spend the rest of your lives and you may be picking out a place to stay or maybe you already know, but you're thinking of decorations and what you're going to put, you know, in the, in the house or the apartment or all these different things like that. You may be arguing about them a little bit and finding out, man, well, she or he's not as sweet as I thought they were, but you're still having a blast, right? You're still having a good time. And in the midst of that, God comes to you and says, or angel comes to you and says, God is going to impregnate you and you're going to give birth to the Messiah. How do you respond to that? I think most people would say, no, thanks, God. Like, my life is going good. <laughs> like, especially in their day and age, right? Like, I mean, she could have been stoned. Like, this is a big deal if she's sleeping with people outside of being married. And like, this is, this is major stuff. And yet, her response in verse 38 is, then Mary said, here I am, the servant of the Lord, the servant of the Lord. let it be done according to your word. Like, that statement is huge. That in the, I mean, seriously, I think so. I mean, even myself, I'm going, is that how I would respond? Because it was going to mess her whole life, mess, quote-unquote, her whole life up, 
of her plans for her life, what she thought. I guarantee you she had no thoughts that this was, anything like this was going to happen. It was going to de- derail those things. And yet she said, what God wants is a lot more important than what I want. Let it be done. I love Mary, man. It's, just, it's so awesome. So verse 39 is where we start today. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to, the, to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So Elizabeth was around six months you know, pregnant at this time. And I thought about like, reasons that Mary, obviously Mary just needed, maybe needed to skip town a little bit with what just happened. But I also thought too, like, you ever have something great or maybe even tragic or difficult that happens in your life? And you just need to be around people who are experiencing something similar? Like, you ever, some of us have gone through divorces. Don't you love when people who haven't been divorced, they go, I know how you feel. You're like, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Or you lost a loved one that's really, uh, that's really close to you, a parent or a spouse, and someone says, I know how you feel, darling. You're like, you don't. You haven't done that. But there's something special that God gives us when we make those connections with those who have. And like we can be there for people with those who have. Like sometimes we don't know why we've gone through things, but we can be a, play, a part of someone's healing if we open ourselves up to that. Well, Mary is going to someone, the person who would most understand what she's going through. No one else will be even close, probably. But I mean, Elizabeth too was miraculously, she was impregnated miraculously. Elizabeth also is carrying the forerunner to Messiah. Now, Mary's carrying Messiah, and so. This is a big moment. So, that's, so, um, so Mary goes to see Elizabeth, who better than anyone else probably can understand what she's going through. I mean, just think of all that's, could you stop your brain if you were Mary? I would have such a hard time sleeping at night and stop, like, I'm, the, I'm carrying the Messiah, this and that. And all, like, it would be so hard. And so she goes, when she greets um, Elizabeth, in verse 41, it says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. This is one of the most incredible moments in all of history. Like, I I thought about this. You're talking about, in Elizabeth's womb, the forerunner to Messiah that's going to uh, come before as the kingdom of God is ushered in. (laughs) And you're talking about the Savior of the world, the Mashiach, the, the anointed one to come, the king that's going to come and set everything right, in their mother's wombs, they come together. And it's such, a, it's such an exciting moment that I know ladies who have been pregnant probably know what it feels like to get a little kick, a little soccer player right there. And some of us have felt that on other women. The baby leaps for joy, and it's such a huge moment, the Holy Spirit's even excited about it. <laughs> like, the Holy Spirit wasn't just in everybody at that given point in time, but the Holy Spirit literally is so excited about the Messiah and the one to come that he fills, him, fills Elizabeth with himself and begins to exclaim, like, says, um, and exclaimed with a loud cry. Like, so this wasn't just a, blessed are you, blessed are you. Like, it was like, she was fired up. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Like, this is the Holy Spirit with uh, um, Elizabeth, sorry, excited about this moment. This is a big moment here. This is a huge moment. And then in verse 40, 43, it says, And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? There's almost this like reflective moment here. Do you ever have something in your life happen? Like, I, I just, I guess I just think about like when I had my first kid, Noah. He might look up now. Okay, cool. 
He usually doesn't pay much attention. When I say his name, I usually get at least a look up for a second, and his, his head's back down again. <clears throat> um, but I remember holding Noah as a baby, and I just remember going, I'm a dad. Like, it just didn't really register. You know what I mean? Like, I just couldn't quite grasp it. Uh, there's been other times in my life where I felt like that. When I was getting married, I was like, I'm getting married to Larissa. This is amazing. She's wonderful. I, yep. And, um, but there are, there are those, there's this, there's this moment here where, where Elizabeth is having this, how could this even be happening kind of moment. Like, you're talking about the one. <laughs> the one to come is right here right, in my relative's womb. He is going to set everything okay. And in the midst of this moment of reflection, and there's also that, this, that, that incredible moment of celebration. And I, and I thought about this, I thought about how the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth and is excited about this moment. And it reminded me that God is a God that loves to celebrate. Like, think of the feast and the fest that, that he commanded Israel to have. He even had, they had three pilgrimage feasts, but what would they do? If you could make it, you came to Jerusalem, you drank wine, you ate, you had a celebration, you had a good time. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about that. Let's implement some more of that. Like, let's be real. Like, God commanded them to celebrate, and he was at the center point of these feasts and festivals. It was rejoicing, and there were different aspects of it, whether it's Passover or whatever, but they were rejoicing in who God is and in his character. They're bringing sacrifice and offering, and they're eating, and they're drinking, and they're having a good time, and God said, you have to have a good time. You need to celebrate. Like, God enjoys life. You know that, right? And I know that there are times whenever we mourn. There are times whenever we're somber. There's no doubt about that. That's hugely important. But there's also times where we're called to celebrate and we're supposed to be a people that celebrates, right? You know, believers in Jesus shouldn't be like, oh, they're just no fun to be around. I don't like them. Like, people ought to want to hang with us, right? Like, celebrate. Enjoy this moment. This is incredible. Verse uh, 44 says, As soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And this is kind of in contrast a little bit to um, Zechariah, right? We talk about this. I mention this every year. But I don't want to poo on Zechariah because he was righteous, Right? I actually kind of relate, like, I think some of us can relate to Zechariah. He was a priest of the Lord. He's pouring his heart out to God. He's trying to, to walk and do the things that God's called him to, but he still sometimes just struggles with, like, these miraculous things and believing they can happen. You ever, you, I mean, like, it's the reality. Like, I mean, he's given his life as a priest to the Lord. He is righteous. He's following God. But when it came to believing that his older wife, who's never had kids, could have kids, he struggled. He's like, I'm just being, I'm struggling with that. But we see here Mary, who is just a, a lowly young woman, when she hears the news that she's going to be impregnated by God, she hasn't even been with a man. So this is actually even harder to believe, right? It's even easier, I would say, to believe. Yeah, okay, you, you all know where I'm going with that. And she says, let it be done, and she has faith. And that's why, you know, Elizabeth here says, blessed is she who believed. And I love that. I just love the reality that God calls us to simple faith. To like, just believe what he said he would do, right? Read the word, believe. If he tells you something, believe that he will do what he said he would do. You don't have to have 
whatever, some kind of crazy degree or some kind of crazy position in a church or whatever. Just simply believe what God's called you to believe. And she knows that all generations she's going to say will know what, what, what God has done for her because she just simply believed. So then Mary here breaks out into some praise. We sang the song. We sang this this morning, right? Now, it doesn't say for sure this is a song, just so you know, right? It says Mary said, okay? Many people believe it was a song, a, a chant, a hymn, something like that. But it almost feels like a, uh, like a musical. Could you imagine that? If she really sang, like you see it, and then she's like, my soul magnifies. Like you'd be like, what are you, what are you doing, Mary? <laughs> but here's the thing. It's a cultural thing. I, I really rest, like I thought about this. In, in America, we have compartmentalized boxes for when you can celebrate and how you celebrate. We, really, we do, like, at a football game, it is super appropriate to go, yeah, let's go, yeah. I mean, last time I was at a Falls game, I hit Jonah in the face. Remember Jonah? He got mad at me. Was it your face, Jonah? He was upset, but I, I was so pumped, I grabbed him like this, and he's like, oh, Dad, that hurt, and I felt horrible. I said, and I didn't touch him the rest of the game because I was like, man, okay, you got to calm down, John. you got to. But when Lane Kiffin's in town, you want to beat that sucker, and you get excited when your team scores a touchdown. <laughs> but we, all right, so there's times, or, you know, you talk about singing or dancing. There's places we're allowed to do that, right, in a dance hall or in a, up in the club. You know, I know some of y'all get in the club, and you start dancing. You're all cool now, but you get in the club, and it's just like, let's go. You're ready to go. I love looking at some of your faces. You're like, absolutely, I would. Let's go. You ask me to dance in church? Absolutely no way. But you get me in that club and you get that, you know, a couple of them drinks in me and I'm ready to go. Wow, everyone's a little quieter at that when I said to get a couple of drinks in me. A little quiet. And everyone's going, but it's true. <laughs> We're allowed to talk about this. Okay. <laughs> I'm about to lose my place thinking about this. But in... In, 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 so I've been to Israel, and I've even seen Sean shows me videos. He shows me videos of all kinds of stuff, right? In Israel, in their culture, even now the Jewish people, it is not uncommon during a festival to break into dance and singing and stuff. There's many other cultures that we could go to, and we could see, we have people here like Megan and uh, Greg who've been to other places. They may be more free with, their, with, with the way that they celebrate things. And I've seen, like, there'll be a, fe a feast or festival, and Sean has a video of them going, bah, and they just start singing, and everyone's dancing, and they're just going crazy, and the wine's flowing, and they're having a great time. Maybe understanding that this is, culturally this might make a little more sense, right? Like, this is something that could have been done a little bit more frequently for us. We're like, why would you do that right now? So what does she say? What does she say? What does she sing? What does she chant? And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She starts by putting the spotlight on Jesus, on God, not Jesus. She's carrying Jesus up. And magnifying God. And I did think to myself just really quickly this week, in my life, am I magnifying God? I guess reflected on that. As she says, that, like when people see John's life, do they see what do they see? Do they see the Lord? Do they, do they, do they say, man, there's, there's, there's something there. She's, she's saying, my soul, with everything in him, I'm going to magnify him. And then she says, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. She doesn't say, in my righteousness, God blessed me. 
She says, listen, God is doing this thing, because in verse 40, I'll just read that, actually. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She says, it's God who's doing this. It is his power. It is the mighty one. He is bringing rescue to Israel. It's, it's him. And God is doing this through a lowly servant. And I, I still, every year, and every, every time I look at this passage, every time I read this, I'm like, man, what does this show us about God? You know, the question we ask in DBS and Discovery Bible studies. Like, what does this reveal that God didn't come to the most wealthy? Now, on the flip side, he comes to John the Baptist through the, through the Levitical priesthood. He does. You just think about that. That's, that's how he comes. And then here, he's coming through this lowly servant. This shows you the different multifaceted aspects of who God is. And he chooses a servant. His lowly servant is what she calls himself. A young woman who's not even married to be his mother. It's, it's wild. Let me skip over here. I already read 49. And 50, he says, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She begins to exclaim the reality that God, God's grace and his mercy flows, but it's, it, it, in here it's conditional to who? Those who fear him. Those are who are walking in obedience to God. Those who are trusting. That is who receives that mercy of God and it flows over them. And then she says, he has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. We're getting to this part here in this, in this song or this hymn or whatever she's doing, where it's beginning to exclaim who God is and what his kingdom looks like. She's carrying the king. And she begins to discuss or sing about or whatever what this looks like. In the, one of these parts of the kingdom, the aspects of the kingdom that she ex- says is, guess what? the proud are going to be scattered, which has made, has made me reflective a lot this week because in God's kingdom, there isn't prideful people. Why? Because you're, you're exalting yourself. Like, when, you, when someone is filled with pride, like, and I'm not talking about the good part of pride, like being filled with having pride in something, but like being a prideful person, you are, you are pushing others down in order to exalt yourself. That's what you're doing right? I was reading a psalm, uh, no, a proverb, Proverbs 27 with the uh, DBS group this week, and it says in there, um, let others praise you. Basically, it's trying to say, don't go around bragging. (laughs) Let others praise you. But in the exact same proverb, it says that you will be tested by man's praise for you. (laughs) And I like this thing of like, there are things that we are to be proud of. Like, Greg, you're about to get your doctorate. Do you have it yet or almost? Right close. He ought to be so daggum proud of that, and his family ought to be proud, and I know they are, right? But there's a place where if you're not careful, then you can become prideful in things that are great that God's given you, right? And that's what it's saying. Like, God, God tests our heart when we start hearing praises about things. John, man, what a great sermon, you know? Oh, man, that's incredible. I hear that every week about 17 times. I have to keep calming myself down. That was a joke. Um, but, but that's reality, though, right? Like, when we begin to hear those things, like, God tests the heart. And so there's this reality that in God's kingdom, it is for the humble. It is for the humble. It says that in verse 52, I mean, th- I, think about it. Jesus says, if you want to be first in my kingdom, what do you have to be? Servant. It's so different. If you want to be first in God's kingdom, then go serve. Take the gifts that he's given you and go serve and help other people. Don't lift yourself up. Don't exalt yourself. Go serve people. And you'll be first in his kingdom. Amazing. 
He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the loyal, uh, the lowly. So you see that justice of God going like the people who are, think about the people who are most powerful, you know, in the world right now. The powerful leaders. He says God's bringing those down and he's taking those who are lowly, like Mary, who truly love him and he's going to exalt him. That's what happens in his kingdom. In fact, in Acts chapter 12, you see that happen. One of the Herods, not Herod the Great, there, he is, he's just like a god. And Herod's like, yeah, I am. And then God kills him. Like, it's just, that's what it says. But like God, it's nothing for God. You're like, oh my gosh, don't say stuff like that. But it's just, I'm just talking about the Bible. Um, it's, <laughs> but God can take down the highest of the highs in a second. He can exalt the lowest of the lows in a second. That's just who he is. And God's bringing the, this is, remember whenever we were reading the prophecy about how the valleys are going to be brought uh, up and how the hills and the mountains are going to be brought low. This is what it means that Mary is carrying the king in her, in her womb and the kingdom is going to be released, that these are the things that God is doing. He says he fills, uh, verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things and he has sent away the rich empty. The great injustice that there are people who are starving, who are born into poverty, is going to be fixed because the king's coming, Right? And should be healed through his church too, right now, <laughs> who brings the kingdom of God near to people. But I mean, it actually, I reflected on that. He sends away the rich empty, like those who are rich, who are not using their resources and stuff like that to help and to, to care for those that are in need and stuff. He sends them away empty. Like they end up, it's the grand reversal. They end up the hungry ones. Those who are hungry now, like, it's just, it's just, it's, it's incredible what God's, but the king is coming to set these balances right. And again, that has, that has me reflecting because, hey, we're pretty rich in this country, you know? We have quite a bit of stuff. How am I using those resources? I don't want to be turned away because I didn't care for those who <clears throat> were in need. And then finally, the last two verses says, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. He says, God is faithful. God's straight up. This is a reason to celebrate. That the things that God said he would do, he will do. Sometimes it's hard to, we easy to lose sight of that in our lives. Easy to lose sight of the promises that God's made. We've seen things happen that seem to contradict sometimes what God said. But Mary's like, no, he will do what he said he would do. He told Abraham that they would what? He was, they were going to multiply crazy. Israel was going to. They were going to be a light to nations. Guess what? This is going to happen. Here comes the king. This is going to happen, and I love it. So that's it. Now we're, going to, we're all going to conga line around. I'm just kidding. So, some of you, two or three got excited when I said that. The rest, you're like, oh, my gosh, please don't make me do that. But it's okay to celebrate. Worship team, y'all can come up here. Hey, there you go. I saw Bruce do a little, a little thing back there. It's okay to celebrate. It's okay to rejoice and as we end Advent thinking of, man, the king came. As we think of the present, the king is in us through his spirit, and we are bringing the kingdom of God near and reflecting on what does that mean, and then we look forward to the king's return. What a time to celebrate. What a time to celebrate. We're going to listen to the voice of the Lord. I guess this morning I just feel like to do something a little different. I'm going to have you all, we're going to sing, but as we sing and the worship team leads, if God has something that he speaks to you to share with us, please Please, please come up here and share that with the, with the group.